Welcome to Episode 4 of the Creator Economy Series. Today, Georgia Stevenson, Principal at Index Ventures, speaks with Linktree, Snap, Showtime, and TikTok about the evolution of digital identity. Happy listening. Well, welcome, everyone. Uh, Delighted to have you join me here today. Uh, As a former history student, I know I'm biased in saying that talking about identity and how it's changed is arguably one of the most interesting topics, be that from a consumer perspective, from a business perspective, and in society more more broadly. And I think the fact that we are on this this five-way Zoom between UK, Australia, West Coast, um, could not be a better demonstration of the fact that the world is more connected than ever. We're spending more and more time online. Uh, we're using an increasing amount of platforms and tools to express ourselves and, and connect with each other. Uh, so the question becomes, what does that mean when we talk about identity and building digital identity? What are some of the opportunities and what are some of the, the challenges and, and, and implications of this? And I really couldn't think of a sort of better bunch of people to have around this virtual table when we're, when we're thinking this through. Jim Kudzi, you know, you work at some of the largest, fastest growing uh, social media companies of our time uh, at Snapchat and and TikTok. Alex Zachariah, you are CEO and co-founder of Linktree, a platform that really aggregates all this social and online content under one umbrella. And Alex Mazmej, you're the CEO and co-founder of Showtime, uh, which is a social network really rethinking what it means to express ourselves through through the lens of crypto. Uh, so I'd love to, to kick off as a starting point and by really understanding what, what you've observed when it comes to your users building digital identity on, on these respective platforms um, and what's changed and, and what stayed the same. Jim, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to start with you. I, I know you focus more specifically on talent at Snapchat, but I guess more broadly, what have your team observed and what does this mean when we think about digital identity? Yeah, sure. So I would say that on Snap, you know, we think of everyone as a creator. You know, everyone can submit to our Spotlight Incentive Program. Everyone can earn money and everyone can like make a public profile and they can start to build an audience. And then we find talented creators from both on and off platform and we invite them into what's called our Snapstar program, which is like our version of of a verified account. And we help Snapstars succeed on the platform by teaching them best practices. But through that process, we also really learn about them as just individual people. And then we learn about their passions and we can funnel them into various like tentpole opportunities across the company, like syndicated shows and Snap Originals. Syndicated shows is where we work with creators to take content that they make off platform and bring it onto Snap. And then we run ads in that show and we share revenue with them. Snap Originals is where we can partner a creator up with like a production company and make a, you know, premium content that we show on the platform and we put marketing dollars behind it. Like those Snap Originals really have budgets on a minute by minute basis that are comparable to top streaming platforms. And so fans of these creators on Snap really have the opportunity to like do a deep subscribe and follow their favorite creators on multiple formats. And so at the end of the day on Snap, there's really this journey that a creator can go on where stories and spotlight serves as like the entry point. Um, But there's multiple ways to really move up that ladder and build that digital identity. 
Jim, I remember when we were chatting, you know, earlier and you were talking about, you know, yes, there's creators, but there's also friends and sort of building, you know, private spaces for friends to connect and communicate. You know, how's that sort of evolved? Did people sort of come on as friends and then become creators? Or how do you think about those two different identities? Well, it's so interesting because one of the things that makes Snap unique is that we really started out as a communication platform, as you mentioned where people, whether they're professional creators or just everyday creators that that might be aspiring to be professional and might not be, can be creative and they can use the camera and they can message um, their friends. And I think one of the things that we started to realize is that some people on Snap who are making this amazing content want to be able to share that content with larger audiences than just their friends. And so that's a really good example of how we've listened to creators and and heard what they wanted. And then we went, with, you know, like together with the product team and we came up with Spotlight, which Spotlight released last November. And it's basically a place on Snap where you can post videos to get larger audiences. So we're really focused on really empowering creators to be able to make amazing content that they're proud of and then share that content with whatever size audience they think is right. I thought it was really interesting when you were saying how it being initially focused on that kind of smaller, more more private circle of, of friends and how that's evolved. I'd love to get Kudzi's perspective here because I feel like TikTok's almost on the opposite end of the spectrum initially when we think about building a much more public-facing identity from the outset and enabling connections like across you know, different communities and across different geographies. Um, and Kudzi, I'd, I'd love to get your perspective here on kind of public versus private identities and, and how that resonates. I lead the community team at TikTok and I've been here for a number of years and um, I've seen it evolve quite a bit. And at the core of TikTok, it's a platform to inspire creativity and to bring joy. So it's actually less social, but really more uh, interest-based and entertainment-based. And what that allows to do is people to express themselves in a new way. So if you think about digital identity, if you look at the past, it was really either highlight reel or some kind of professional accomplishments and other platform. TikTok is you not only what you do, but you're also what you love as, as from an interest-based perspective. So you could do that private if you're just scrolling or public if you want to be a creator and share that to the world. So the world of it has really evolved so much that you, you, you get to show a new side to yourself. Even if you're a professional, you can be a creative professional on TikTok. So that's been really, really fun. So I think a great example even um, for how people are not only what they do, but what they love is um, Rex Woodbury, for example, is a is at Index. But he's also a big, has a big following on TikTok and he teaches people about some of the markets he invests in. He had a great viral video around gaming and that shows his love for his job, but also just like the industry at large and also his creativity um, and also What's been really cool is you see this in um, some creators as well. So a creator by the name of Alexis Nicole, who everyone should follow. She's a forager. She's this black girl who's a forager in the city. And she's in this world where um, she shows this creatively. But by day, she's a social media manager. In the old school way, you had to be just a social media manager. and You post on LinkedIn, which I love all platforms. And I, I use LinkedIn. But you would post there and that's your thing. Now you can be that. But you could also be kind of a creative forager and really showcase kind of who you are um, and have kind of a what I call like an in full bloom public experience where you're really your full self versus just like one lane. So that's been cool to see um, TikTok bring to the culture and really kind of allow people to have a creative, authentic expression to themselves. 
Awesome. I mean, first, obviously love the shout out uh, about Rex and yeah, it's amazing to, to see all the content he produces as well as doing a full-time job. Um, but I think when you talk about kind of multiple different identities and that duality, I'd love to, you know, zoom out a little bit and, and bring in Alex Zach here. I mean, I guess what I've always loved about Linktree and why we were so excited to, to work with you guys is that you have this amazing bird's eye view across these different platforms. And as a business, you can really observe this variety of expression um, as a result. So, so how, do, how do you think about these different identities and, and how consistent are they across the different platforms? Yeah, absolutely. I think, uh, you know, like Kudzi said, I think Linktree is similar to TikTok in the way that it is really about creators being able to represent all sides of them and bring their whole self uh, across uh, anywhere they find their audience uh, to be able to use just one link to be able to uh, aggregate and, and consolidate wherever they find the audience and really get them to where they need to get them to go to be able to either monetize or um, to consume the content that they really want, they are, they are creating. Uh, and that's becoming more and more important because, you know, on average, we see 8.9 social media accounts per internet user in the US. That's up from around four in 2016. So we're seeing an explosion of different places that creators can find their audience. Uh, and that's, uh, we're seeing an actual increase uh, even from search and organic traffic, even direct traffic, um, you know, users putting their link tree links in their email signatures and on their resumes and on QR codes on, on restaurant menus and, and wherever it might be. So wherever you can find your audience. And, and we and we are seeing as younger generations come through, really are using these different platforms uh, and getting, getting quite good at using these different platforms for what they are great at and what they're built for. Whereas TikTok for really interactive and, and um, authentic videos and YouTube for long form and medium and Substack for long form content and Twitter for conversations. It's different content, but it's still representative of themselves and what they care about and what they love. And to be able to bring that all together and use tooling to make sure, use tooling to be able to bring that together, but also track it and help remarket and, 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 and add that layer of marketing technology and insights so you can better understand your audience and better understand if you are a professional creator and you are monetizing, uh, how you can better monetize. You can use our commerce link functionality then to help uh, receive tips or receive requests. Or you can just really use it as a way to help aggregate, but get them to get your audience to where you need to get them to go to monetize or to consume. So yeah, we're definitely seeing that um, Linktree is a really great way to be able to aggregate your entire digital identity across the whole internet. Alex, I want to I want to pick up on what you said around you know how to monetize digital identity, and I can't not ask Alex Mazmej about the Alex token uh, when we think about this and and how digital identity sort of manifests and how it valued in the real world. So, Alex Mazmej, I'd love to to for you to tell us about the genesis behind the Alex token and, and where it's got got you. Sure. Um, so personally, I created a small following uh, since twenty nineteen entering the crypto industry. And you know, sharing ideas on Twitter, uh, and really wanted to break into tech as a French person that's not in the Bay Area or like has connections there. And I built a following of like maybe like two thousand followers. And I feel like now more than ever, you don't need that much following to get started as soon as people like support you. And so what I did is COVID happened, and I had no funds, no jobs, no real possibilities. But I had my online identity on Twitter, and I wanted to leverage it. And so what I did is. I said, I am creating this cryptocurrency called Alex. I am not making any promise whatsoever, but you know, if you give me $20,000 in this kind of like next generation crowdfunding, I will give you a small share of my future income. Um, and it went kind of viral and it was kind of fun. And I did raise the $20,000 
And the goal was essentially for me to move to San Francisco and start a company and raise VC funding. And basically all of that happened in the next like nine months after that. And so I'm really excited. And to me, it's a, a foray into uh, what it is to control your own economy because the previous social networks um, are about like, you know, controlling the economy and selling to advertisers. And that's a great, that's a great business model that works for that worked for a decade. But I think that now you can basically decouple content from platforms back to creators. And so then you have creators being beyond platforms, uh, you know, aggregating all of them via link tree, or you know, just using those pieces of content on Ethereum, for instance, where NFT is your content and you can display it on Showtime, which is my company that I founded, or OpenSea, which is the marketplace, or whatever pieces, it will just be like interoperable into open platforms. And I think that's that's super interesting. And Alex, remember when Rex, again, uh, first relayed this origin story, he was explaining how you felt that by kind of focusing on crypto as a young person put you at an advantage rather than a disadvantage when you were looking to kind of break into tech. And I think that nicely touches upon how different generations look to interact and, and build identity. And it's certainly something that we talk a lot about at Index in terms of what do Gen Z care about? What do they value? How does this translate into new products and, and services to be built over time? Kudzi, I know when we last spoke, you talked about you know TikTok's mission of inspiring creativity and, and celebrating authenticity. Um, and I feel like this word is used quite a bit. And I'd just love to hear from you kind of what is it, what does that mean? And, and you know, how does that why does that matter? Definitely a word that is now overused in the culture. So we're going to need something else. We all need to come up with something else. We're done with that one. But, you know, I think it points to all the trends that have been happening around people don't want to highlight real life. I think you know what comes with only caring about, you know, likes and followers and all that. So TikTok, you know, truly democratized that where anyone can find an audience if you post something that is easy to is as easy to match with someone's interests and the pressure is really low. You can also be private or public, but you're not really posting to your followers unless you have them or friends. You're just posting really to the world and for yourself. So Gen Z loves that feeling of like no pressure. And on TikTok, you can even, even the pressure of creativity coming up with a perfect, beautiful picture is actually really hard. But on TikTok with the click of a creative effect or a hashtag or a sound, you can make a video that could find an audience and like do really well. And I think in, in addition to that, with a pillar of authenticity, especially for Gen Z is like in inclusivity. This is the, these are the internet people. I always say, if you look at Doja Cat or Lil Nas X, um, you know, I don't work in the music team, so not speaking on the music, but the way they approach the internet is very inclusive. It's very um, progressive. And if people don't feel included, like they, they will be the first to say it. So TikTok does that. So we, we have things like our hashtag Black TikTok uh, community or our Latinx uh, community that's coming up or our trailblazer list where anytime TikTok goes out into the world, there's a lot of people who work really hard to make sure that that looks as inclusive as a platform. Um, and then I think lastly for, for Gen Z, I think it's about people say they have a short attention span. I don't think that's correct. I think they have like long attention spans, but need things to move quickly. Like us oldies, we, we talk too slow. Things are too, they're like, they want fast motion. Um, TikTok allows that as you zoom, but also trends move quickly. If you look at the trends they love, things like the slow zoom on TikTok, which is trending or this berries and cream trend. I don't know if y'all are up to it, up to date with all of that, but that stuff is fast and it moves really quickly and they and they want to create culture, um, not just kind of be, be told what is what is culturally relevant. So um, that's why Gen Z loves TikTok. 
we have to go back to the berries and cream trend at one point. Um, but, I, but I wanted to just highlight what you, what you were talking about around kind of making sure it's a sort of low pressure environment and people are feeling kind of comfortable within their within their communities. And, and Jim, I know this is something that Snapchat think a lot about. You know, you're now reaching over 90 percent of, of Gen Z in the U.S. and sort of building a safe space and making sure that bit, you know, is crucial to, to how you're thinking about the product. It seems really important to you guys. So I'd love to hear how, how you're thinking about that and how that translates into your, you know, roadmap. Yeah, sure. So just again, like I said this before, but just one of the things that makes us different is that Snap started out as a communication tool for your close friends. And so while we've expanded way beyond that, it's still like very much core to who we are. And our entire platform is really built around the well-being of our community instead of just focusing solely on their audience growth. And so like we emphasize authenticity too. And I like agree with Kudzi that it's definitely like an overused word, but I love the way you guys are thinking about it. And we think about it you know, that way too. And I think, you know, one of the things that we think a lot about is that authenticity happens when you remove pressure. And I think that really fosters a creative environment where, you know, that's true, whether you're sharing a snap with like one or two friends or you're posting it for large audiences. And just every time we build a new feature, we're thinking about the mental health of our community and that's factoring into the decisions we make. And so, you know, it's one of the reasons why we like don't have public facing comments. And for many young people who today are in some cases having a lot of issues with mental health that gets exacerbated by their time spent online, like we become a safe space for them. It's fun. It's where they can be creative with their closest friends. And, you know, we don't provide a very good forum for their haters and for their trollers. And so it tends to be a place that's less stressful in a lot of ways. Shifting from kind of why Gen Z kind of gravitate towards the kind of platforms and and, and what they're what they're liking versus maybe what what they don't have yet. Um, Alex Masmed, you know, you wouldn't be building a new social layer for the internet if you thought Gen Z were 100% satisfied. So I'd love to think, you know, how you're building Showtime with this demographic in mind. Right. So I feel like. Um, yeah, like there's a couple of things that was said on younger people and Gen Z. And I feel like, yeah, being authentic, inclusive, uh, positive. I think all of those things actually um, can align with, you know, controlling your own economy. In crypto, you can have aligned incentives where, for instance, you know, an artist drops an NFT as a digital artist and it's not owned by the platform, but by themselves. The first buyer essentially is kind of an investor in that artist growth. And as the artist grows in popularity, that person grows as well. And so it feels like it's a very collaborative game where, you know, it's it's a win-win for both parties involved. And this is just a very basic example and a sneak peek into the future where I think like early followers or early audience uh, members of a person can uh, share the upside with you know, creators also making way more money now that they own their economy and it's not in traditional social networks, uh, hence to monetize. Uh, so I think it's going to be absolutely fascinating to see uh, that when people are, you know, fairly valued online, uh, they feel more respected. They feel more positive. We see this on Twitter all the time. The NFT community uh, also on Showtime is extremely positive. Uh, and that's because suddenly they're treated the fair share. Beeple, who is an artist uh, who is, you know, was worked with Justin Bieber and LVMH and all of those people, 
uh, had 3 million followers on Instagram, nothing more against Instagram, but you know, he could not monetize that well, uh, although he was the top 1% digital artist and he just tried NFTs for a weekend and it sold for millions. And sure, you know, there may be some uh, overinflation of the price or speculation because it's very new, people are excited, but it is a sneak peek into, you know, those social networks today are worth trillions of dollars. Uh, because capturing attention and monetizing it is very valuable. If we give it back to people, now creators can make a living online much more easily. And it's not just the superstars that are going to be priced in. It's going to be everyone because, you know, there's this great, great article called A Thousand True Fans uh, from like 10 years ago who says that, you know, creators don't need millions, but they need a community. And I think with NFTs, they can focus on community now because they don't have to focus on monetizing as much. And to me, that's such a key insight that if you are valued fairly, you will be more authentic. You will be more yourself. You don't have to cater to brands. You don't have to like be only uh, being to sponsors and things as such. You are more free economically and that makes you so much better. You can have the impact that you want, which is probably what Gen Z uh, generations want more. Uh, so all of the things that Gen Z people care about, which are basically being genuine, uh, community inclusiveness, when you can actually make a living and you get your fair share, it's not about greed. It's about getting your fair share of your work because you own your content now. I think it's absolutely brilliant. And we can get the fans as well to get also a fair share because they supported that person early. So to me, it's uh, it's going to be absolutely incredible this decade on for social media. It's going to be great. Love the passion. You know, it's interesting when you talk about how everyone can be a beneficiary, right? Because I think something that we're struck by, and actually uh, Danny and, and and Jack and Dylan were touching upon it earlier, an earlier panel, is that like the more that we sort of create and the more tools we have for this kind of, you know, user-generated content, the more everyone sort of becomes a creator and everyone can be a beneficiary. So this like distinction between consumer and creator kind of becomes re redundant over time. Um, Alex, Zach, I, I know this is something we've talked a lot about and go back and forth on in terms of, you know, what makes a creator and, and you know, do, does everyone want to be a creator? Does everyone define as a creator? You know, Linktree serves a whole bunch of different users from, you know, Bollywood stars to, to pizza restaurants to, to churches. And yeah, I, I guess I'd love to hear from you. How do people think about the label of being a creator? Um, and, and how do you navigate this when you're thinking about, you know, serving your, all of your community? I think this is a, a fascinating space. Like we, we truly believe that every, everyone's a creator, like you mentioned earlier. And, and I think we really think in the same way that, you know, everyone's a creator. You created an email this morning. You, you created a deck at, at work to, to show your finance metrics and still created something. And I think people are, you know, there are more and more UGC platforms and some of the amazing work that a lot of these great people here are doing on, on great platforms. It becomes easier and easier for people to create. Uh, it does make it, difficult to kind of to really actually I guess define what the creator economy is and those that are professionally creating and, and uh those that believe them to themselves to be part of the creator economy and those uh that we would probably define as part of the creator economy and also that don't necessarily think they themselves are um part of the creator economy I, I think we see this kind of see it on a spectrum where we have a lot of creators that are very much uh that clear definition of being part of the passion economy or the creator economy where they're really creating content to monetize, they're working through tip jars and taking requests uh, or they're 
they're really making money from whatever they create. It might be selling candles and Etsy. All the way through to, you know, those that really are just consuming and are there to transact and consume with the creator economy. And in the middle, I think there's creators that are, say, musicians on independent record labels that are like, they want to be making money from touring. Uh, they're creating, they're making money from their creation, but they wouldn't consider themselves a creator. And I think that is evolving uh, over time so that, they, they, you know, as tooling becomes easier uh, and as yeah, more platforms come online to help these creators be able to monetize and be able to aggregate their content and to be able to uh, manage their business as a whole, these users and or creators in the middle of the spectrum are really starting to become or recognize themselves as, as creators as well. Yeah, I really think we're only at the beginning still uh, of so many of these platforms creating tooling for these creators to create. I think it's a fascinating time. And I guess that nicely kind of tees up the last question, which is around, you know, we're all talking about creators. We're all talking about the tools that they need and that they want. Um, and you know, everyone seems to be sort of building for the creators. So I guess the, the question to you guys is kind of what's left to build, what's still not working and, and how you're thinking about this. And Quincy, I'm going to start with you. You know, obviously can't give anything away just yet. Um, we're always exploring ways to make sure our creators, you know, can find community, specifically diverse communities, um, turn their creativity into a livelihood, you know, for those that want to do that. Some people come to create for self-expression and creativity. So more tools to lower the barrier of creation, which is one of kind of the keys to TikTok, but also for those that want to um you know, create full time or have uh, an additional way to, to supplement their livelihood. So a lot there and a lot of feedback um, from the community around um, attribution and trend set as an originator is making sure that they're easy to identify and making sure that they are um, recognized and reap the rewards and benefits there. So these are all like exciting realms. I think ultimately, you know, if, if our mission is to inspire creativity and to bring joy, there's a cohort of those people are creators and you want to make sure that they have the best place to create, but also the most inclusive place to create and one that um, serves their life beyond just um, making videos. I always say these are not video generators. These are real people with like real needs and making sure that they feel safe, loved and welcomed is is top of mind for us. I think it's so interesting around attribution and, and, and being able to build that into how we think about, you know, trends taking off. Jim, you, you're up next. What, what What's still missing? Well, I think one of the challenges we've had is we just realized that creators are not all the same and they're individual people. And so it's a lot of work. We've had to really take a very hands-on, one-on-one, one-on-one approach to relationship building and really nurturing creators as people rather than just speaking at them. And then they teach us as much as we teach them. And like we're really able to take their perspectives back to our product team and ship products as a result of, you know, their perspective. And so like, you know, a a great example of this is we just launched gifting, which now is going to allow fans um, to send gifts to snap stars. And then those snap stars will be able to cash that out for money. We're in the process of rolling out a um, brand creator marketplace where brands and um, creators can, can meet and brands can hire them. And, you know, I mentioned spotlight, but for a long time, we were, you know, so much more focused on, on helping creators communicate one-to-one. But, but, you know, as we were talking to them, we learned that, you know, some creators on our platform want to broadcast content to larger audiences. And so, you know, out of that came Spotlight. And, um, and that's, you know, a place where they can jump onto trends um, and they can earn money. And, you know, 
that's all the result of, you know, one-on-one conversations that we've had with them, learning about their pain points and then trying to implement it. Alex Masmed, is everyone getting social tokens in the next 12 months? <laughs> I'm not sure if everyone will create their token. I think it's a little bit like like streaming. So like not everyone is a streamer online. Everyone is a TikTok and Snap creator, but not everyone is a streamer. So it's something that with content people will agree to. But to me, yeah, like opening up the database, you know, everyone owning their own icon- economy to me will be huge. I think today at TikTok from a different team than you could see, but, but Christina and others uh, released NFTs today with Lil Nuts X, which is a legend and I love. Um, and it's so exciting to see. Uh, you know, uh, culture is probably the most diverse thing of our society. And if we empower financially culture, it's going to be amazing. Yeah. Opening up the database of of like siloed communication giants so that everyone can benefit and all the creators can actually capture the value that they create. And finally, Alex, Zach, what's, what's still left to be built? Yeah, I think I, I mentioned it earlier. I think we're really only at the start of, of you know, en- en- enablement for creators. And, and uh, I think there's a huge amount to do. I think one one of the key things that are missing still is, uh, I guess, the kind of community where creators can be discovered, but also have complete agency and control over their community. I think there's there's creators really screaming out for the ability to have a bit more agency and control. Um, also, just more platforms to continue to enable anyone to get online and have a digital presence, and that's definitely something that we're working really hard to do to just make. Uh, you know, make it the most, you know, completely democratize digital presence and enable anyone with an internet connection to be able to get online and have a place where they can uh, find their audience and get them to where they want to go to, to monetize and to aggregate their content. And, and, and um, you know, I think there's there's talent all over the world that still we, we are yet to discover because of that. So, yeah, we're really excited about opening that up. Um, and I'm yeah, I'm super excited about it, what everyone on this panel is uh, doing. I think you know NFTs and crypto is just a, um, such an important way for I think creators to continue monetizing, and the easier we make that, uh, I think it's uh, yeah really important. It's a fascinating time. Well, it's certainly very energizing to hear you all speak about how we're only at the beginning when we think about digital identity and creator tools and, you know, what what the world looks like for them in in the next number of years. So thank you so much for for joining me today. Um, And that's a wrap. Thank you, Georgia. Thank you. Nice to meet you all. Thanks for listening. If you like what you heard here, please subscribe to Index Audio so you can stay up to date on future episodes. Bye for now.